Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parish, it's Friday, November 12, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and not a whole lot has happened in the sport since we last talked. Hunter Dixon had a big game in Michigan's season opening win over Buffalo. Maryland started 1-0 with a, a victory over George Washington. Shouts to Adi Joseph. I guess the most interesting thing uh, that has happened is that the NCAA scolded, scolded Oklahoma State for how Mike Boynton reacted to his program's postseason ban. He released a statement the NCAA did Thursday night alleging that committee members subsequently received threatening and offensive messages. So let's start here, Deadleg. Are you surprised Kyle Boone uh, threatened to eliminate Georgetown's president uh, Squid Game style? <laughs> Still haven't seen an episode of Squid Game. Uh, that was a heck of a statement. By the way, how are you not? How are you not opening the podcast mentioning my Doctor Evil chair? Like, wh- look, look at this setup right now. Double hotel room, GP's lighting situation. People are going to be disappointed. I, I, there was a, there was a, there has been a push for DP in the dark room as the way to go. But he's looking gorgeous. Anyone watching on YouTube, reminder: you can subscribe in the episode description. I'm in Spokane. GP's in New York. So a rare double remote situation here. As for Oklahoma State, I mean, that was a that was a hell of a statement by the NCAA. And uh, clearly, it goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway. Anyone that went and, and sent threatening messages to any uh, members of the NCAA infractions committee or enforcement committee or the appeals committee, um, that's that's unacceptable. But if you're going to choose to be on this kind of committee, uh, you are a public figure working for a public institution. And the thing that Oklahoma State coach Mike Boynton was so upset about, in addition to the the ban, which wasn't a huge surprise to Boynton, I wound up talking to him the next day. He's like, I, I wasn't naive. I wasn't you know, overly optimistic that the appeal was going to be turned over. But I had some sort of hope considering that USC didn't get, didn't get a ban. South Carolina, Creighton, TCU, some other schools didn't receive heavy-handed punishments. But it was this idea that the NCAA could put out a statement, deliver its punishment, and then basically none of the people associated with the process are ever publicly held accountable. They don't have to go and, and face the players at Oklahoma State and tell them. They don't have to do any, uh, any of the hard stuff. They get to kind of do this behind closed doors. And so Boynton, who did do something unprecedented, he named these people. He called them out uh, at his press conference. That led to... Uh, enraged Oklahoma State fans finding, you know, the email addresses for these people and sending, I'm sure, uh, completely inappropriate and if not potentially obscene messages. But, you know, the idea that they should be able to hand out these decisions and then face zero backlash uh, is just not living in reality. If the NCAA NCAA is surprised that people were really pissed off at the NCAA for an NCAA postseason ban decision, uh, that's the height of, of, of naivete as far as I'm concerned. And I'd love if the NCAA could ever bring the same kind of energy that it brought in that statement on Oklahoma State with anything else tied to modernizing its system. Like that kind of passion, that kind of language uh, would be great to see as it pertains to changing the way the structure of the NCAA is. And there was some light references to that in the statement overall, but clearly it was inappropriate for Oklahoma State fans to go and potentially threaten or just send uh, horrible messages to people. But this idea that they get to get make this decision and then hide forever and, and face no kind of at least acknowledgement publicly uh, is absurd. Of course, of course they should. And Oklahoma state has the right to uh, fight back publicly. And if it chooses to name the people on the committee, then that's just a break. So you chose to be on the committee. It is a public committee. You are a public member of that institution uh, that comes with the territory. Yeah. I, I don't mind these people's names 
being out there. Like you said, it's a public committee. They're handing out public punishments. Their names should be attached to it. Um, the idea that they should have to fly to Stillwater and deliver the news in person <laughs> seems a little excessive. Like, you know, I, I don't, I, I won't go that far, but certainly their, their names, um, I don't know if they deserve to be known, but they, sh- you know, they, they, they should be known and they are known. Um, nice big star shirt, by the way. Thank you, man. Appreciate those, that. Those are my little homies from Memphis. I know. I know what I'm doing here. A little big star. Absolutely love it. That's right. Just, just saw it for the first time when you leaned back. Um, so so I, I don't mind their names being out there, but obviously if you're an Oklahoma State fan, actually threatening <laughs> university officials, that's obviously over the line and possibly insane. Yeah. Get like, a grip. Yeah. yeah. Get a grip. Like, you know, Edwin Diaz is the closer for the Mets and he ruins my summer nights all the time. I, I, I can't stand him. <laughs> Where's this going right now? He brings me real. He brings me real pain and suffering. But I, it's never occurred to me to threaten him. <laughs> yeah. Are we? Hold on. Is that is that what a one hundred percent factual statement? Are we absolutely sure? If I find you July eighteenth of last year, are we sure? If I find you at about ten forty five at night, I am positive. Ne- I'm I'm positive. I have never threatened Edwin Diaz, life or in any other way, even though. I would argue he's done me more wrong than the NCAA has done Oklahoma State. <laughs> All right. So, like, let's keep it between the lines. Be frustrated. Um, send a, a, a well written letter uh, that makes points you want to make. Um, uh, leak my column to them if you want to. <laughs> but <laughs> threatening, threatening university officials for giving your favorite school a postseason ban that that uh, that seems that seems a bit wild. I, I think most people. Uh, could agree with that. So strong jaw, if you're listening, cal- calm it down out there. <laughs> I, what if it? What if it really was? What oh if? What if it really was Kyle Boone? Like I'm going to kill you, Georgetown president. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we might, need to, we might need to do a little digging into uh, into Booney's emails. Make sure that uh, nothing untoward happened there. Of course, we joke. We love we love KB, but. Um, he, he listen, I, you know, I don't think Kyle Boone as an Oklahoma State alumnus is uh, is that broken up about the NCAA's matches there. Um, I also think, by the way, this is damage control for the NCAA in this regard. Parrish, I did think about this as well when I saw this. Uh, this this statement landed actually just as I like got into my hotel in Spokane Thursday. This is to prevent. I think the NCAA knows that there are going to be more postseason bans via the IARP and it wants no part of any other coach in the future doing anything remotely like this because the backlash is going to continue. It's probably going to get noisier, frankly. Um, And it's going to come at this weird time where the NCAA is restructuring its constitution. It's going to change uh, its enforcement model again for the third time in essentially less than a decade. And it's trying to get ahead of this by basically saying, this this ain't okay for aggrieved parties to go on the offensive uh, after w- these punishments are handed down. And so it's basically trying to, to staunch the flow of this happening again. Whether or not that actually happens will remain to be seen. I don't know if we'll ever see another coach go down the list and naming people <laughs> associated with this on the NCAA side, but that's also clearly why they did this because they don't want to they don't want to deal with this again. They don't want to deal with a, a furious Kansas fan base or Auburn or LSU, Arizona, like some of those fan bases, like you think Oklahoma state came heavy, like wait until you piss off Arizona fans. Okay. So that's why I think that's also why they did this, which is understandable. But again, at the same time, this idea that you can serve on this committee opt in, in a volunteer role, I understand that. And simply uh, just be free of any kind of criticism whatsoever is, is, it's a joke. That's that's not what's going to happen here. We'll see how successful the NCAA was at this, but to see Emmert's name also attached to that letter, it was just, I found it rich and a bit ironic, that's all. Uh, again, and I, and I know you know this, um, there, there is a difference between um, criticizing someone and threatening someone. And it seems like if we take the NCAA at its word, um, some of these committee members were not criticized, but threatened. I criticized them. I didn't threaten them. <laughs> What if I would have though in a column? So I'm come coming for you. I mean, you, the, the floor is yours if you like. If you like no. to update this story, no, I I, I criticize them. I didn't uh, threaten anybody. Uh, you know, more broadly speaking, and then we'll move on. 
we have become a more threatening society because of social media, largely because of social media, if not entirely because of social media. Um, there are politicians, you know, senators, governors, uh, congressmen um, who are not running for reelection because they're tired of the of, of the things that go hand in hand with it. They, they are fearful in some in some places of um, of of what this of what being a public official who isn't in line with one of our former presidents, they're fearful of, of, of what comes with that, uh, particularly in, in parts of the Republican Party. And so I, I, I don't think it should be a shock that this trickles into every other aspect of our life. And right. so, um, you know, it's just part of living in, in you know, in, in this era of technology and, and with all the um, nastiness that comes with Facebook and, and Twitter. I mean, you and I get it every day. I mean, I don't know if you do. I do every day, every day. Somebody's trying to tell me what they want to do to me or what they think I should do to myself. And I, you get a little numb to it, but I do imagine if you're a, like if somebody threatened me today on Twitter, which is the same thing as sending a threatening message, you know, it's, it's words delivered with a threat. I wouldn't even really blink because I'm just so used to it. But I, I do imagine if you're a university president or whatever, you're probably not as used to it because you're not as active in most cases yeah. on social media. So it, it could be um, a, you know, alarming when you're suddenly uh, put the crosshairs like that, so to speak. So um, not surprised that we got here. Was a little surprised to see that statement from the NCAA, if only because I don't remember a statement like that from the NCAA ever before. But uh, I, I think you're right. Uh, the NCAA just wanted to to try to set um, you know set a line here because they know more of these are coming. Whether it's LSU, Arizona, Memphis, Kansas, some more of these are coming, and they all got fans who who have social media accounts. A um, couple of other notes from around the sport before we get to the final four and one. Deadline, we had a resignation on Thursday. I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, no, this upstates the story that we had, uh, what, two podcasts ago? Um, Jim Hayford has resigned. He resigned Thursday. Uh, if you missed the previous episode or missed the story, he repeated a racial slur toward one of his players um, in a scrimmage before the season started. And it was the second instance of this happening where one of his players used the N-word, black player, and... Hayford apparently was not all he, he didn't want the word used in his program, which is problematic to begin with because a white man in a position of power doesn't get to say when black people get to use that word, obviously. So he had used it a second time uh, and he repeated it, asking him if he actually said the word. This led to him being uh, put on administrative leave. And as we alluded to on a previous episode, that unless you are Will Wade, that means you are not going to keep your job. And so he did resign. Seattle uh, opened the season earlier this week. It actually coincidentally plays on Friday at Washington State. So just a headline there. Um, you know, what else is there to say, Parrish? I mean, they, I nothing. We've said it, you know, like note to white men and women, just stay out of it. You know, if you exactly. hear the word, don't repeat it. If you hear the word, don't be bothered by it. Um, as long as it's coming from an African-American's mouth, just stay out of it. If you, um, if you got a little bit of a brain, you understand why you should just stay, stay away from it. And if you don't have a little bit of a brain, just trust us when we tell you, you should just stay out of it. Like, you know, uh, this, this coach isn't the first person to lose his job, um, over something similar. Like, you know, the message should be clear by now. Um, repeating that word is not acceptable. Uh, asking people why they can use that word, but you can't is, you know, nonsensical at this point, just stay away from it and keep your job. Those direct deposits come every two weeks at most places. Uh, other thing on the court. So we're all of a couple of days old in the season here. We had two buzzer beaters of note that went down Thursday night. The first one, uh, Tim Miles, San Jose state coach, former Nebraska coach, of course, he got his 400th career win on a buzzer-beating shot uh, over Cal State Fullerton, 
So San Jose State, which is not expected to be good whatsoever, nonetheless opened the season with a 78-76 win over Fullerton. And uh, just like a, a small addendum to this, I, I remember talking to Miles when he was at Nebraska and like one of his career goals is to reach 500 career wins. Like that's just something that he's since he knew he, he could be a head coach in college basketball. It was a dream of his to reach 500 career wins. And that I think is uh, no small part of why he wanted to get back in. He's now at SJSU and for him to get career number uh, win number 400 was pretty awesome. But, but the bigger one, and really, well, right there, do you think he can get to 500 career wins without the home court advantage that is Pinnacle Bank? I mean, yeah, that was another thing, by the way, actually, when we recorded late at MSG, Nebraska also lost to Western Illinois. And so we got a little we got the listeners are always on it. Pinnacle Bank went Pinnacle Bank again. So that was another power conference upset from the opening night, Nebraska, which I which might be sub 500 on its home floor since Paris first jokingly referred to that as the most. <laughs> I was not joking. That's the most dominant home court advantage in all of college basketball, Pinnacle Bank Arena. Nebraska lost at home again. They can't stop. They love it. Did you see Rostin? Um, he did like, you know, 68 things to look forward to in the college basketball season or whatever. Um, and one of them was the home court advantage at Pinnacle Bank. Was it no, I did not see this. No, I, I don't think he was doing it to goof around. I think he was being dead serious because it really was once upon a time a good a good home court event. We we lived through that. We don't remember it, but it happened. Pinnacle Bank was tough to walk into once upon a time. A little easier these days. I would say pre-pandemic Pinnacle Bank. Say that three times fast, but that's not even true. This thing has been this has been going south for like four straight seasons. Anyway, Nebraska took a loss without to answer your question. I think he's actually got a better. I think he's got a better chance. I don't know what the average attendance is at San Jose State, but I think he's got a he's got a better chance. Um, the other game of no, Parrish, this is this is this is the best buzzer beater we're gonna see all season, or at least the most unlikely. Arizona State loses another Pac-12 loss. What are we doing? We're kicking them out, right? Yeah, they can't. Yeah, they're not allowed to be in the Power Five anymore. That's UCLA's league, and everybody else is 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 um what do they call it in soccer what do you do to them relegated. Relegated. yeah they're relegated. relegated they've been relegated i can't uh i can't arizona just... state no longer gets to play ucla they have to they have to play other relegated programs fair enough jp mormon of uh of uc riverside had 14 points it was his final three that uh that clinched this uc riverside beat arizona state 66 65 and arizona state you know, they weren't anywhere close to NCAA tournament consideration in my one to three fifty-eight. I thought they'd be a bottom half Pac-12 tournament team, but still, you're at home against UC Riverside, and JP Mormon gets the ball with 1.7 seconds to go. If you haven't seen it already, it was if you if you listen to this podcast and are on Twitter or on social media, you had to have seen this this shot. It's just it's absurd. Mormon shoots it from about 69, nice 70 feet. Cash gets it off in 1.7 seconds. Marcus Bagley went for a steal. He missed, which allowed Mormon to gather himself and sink it. So we don't need to go wax poetic about UC Riverside, although this is the second straight, again, Pac-12 relegation. Second straight season, a team loses to UC Riverside. Washington it was a year ago, and now Arizona State. So that is that is a brutal loss for Bobby Hurley. But credit to Mike Magpio and that staff at Riverside, um, which, as an aside, that program, that school debated ending its Division One existence in the past year, a la what Hartford's doing right now. But they rallied. They committed. Now they're getting buy game money from Arizona State, Washington. And it's, you know, the program is on the upswing. So that's a cool little redemption story at the, at the mid-major level out west there. Huge win for Riverside. Yeah, it was a wild shot. And um, it obviously went viral. I, you know, I, I don't know what the next five months holds, but I'm with you. It's going to be harder to find a, um, let's just a longer buzzer yeah. beater, a game-winning buzzer beater. It's going to be harder, to, uh, hard to find one uh, longer than that. Uh, just a, a really fun shot for everybody except for Bobby Hurley, and I can't imagine like Bobby might still be struggling with that at this moment. Oh yeah, it's it's 8:05 on the West Coast as we record here. And who knows if he got more than three hours of sleep? Because that's the kind of, I mean, get out of here. Oh, and by the way, shouts to Mike DeCorsi, who has been on this forever. 
shots like this are unlikely, but when they happen, they're phenomenal. And this is why you don't advance the ball in college basketball after a timeout in the final. Uh, it, they make these kind of moments all the more special. Jalen Suggs doing what he did. That, doesn't, that shot doesn't happen if Gonzaga gets the ball at half court after a timeout. Um, I know there are some proponents to go to the NBA rule, um, but I'm just not in favor of it. It's because of exact moments like this where magic can happen. As unlikely as it is, it still happens on occasion. And we saw another example of that Thursday night. All right. We do have a couple of top five matchups this weekend, so that's going to be fun. We're going to do the final four and one next. But first, check this out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Deadleg, you remember the final 4-1, right? Remember it? I'm, I've been prepping for this for four months, man. I picked four games. You picked the fifth. Then we both pick the games against the spread. We keep a tally all season. I win, just like always. <laughs> That's not what happens. I'm pretty sure you owe me concert tickets to a, a gig of my choice. Hasn't happened. That was two years ago. I don't even know what we agreed on last year when mine was, my record was better. But now, year three, whatever. I'll just win and I'll just win and you won't pay up. It's fine. I'll pay whatever. Whatever I got to pay. I don't even know what I owe you. We bet last year we bet something that wasn't this. Uh, I'm sorry, you, I owe you concert tickets right when the uh, <laughs> once once a century pandemic hit and there were no concerts. I'm, I, right. I apologize for the role the pandemic played in the final four and one. We will take suggestions. In how about this, YouTube viewers, in the comments, what should Parrish and I and make it like fun but realistic and not absurd and not a hundred bucks? Give us. Suggestions. What should be on the line for this year's season-long tally for the final four and one? Let us know, and then hopefully we'll agree to something by the time we do this again next Friday. I'm going to get you concert tickets to a show at Pinnacle Bank. <laughs> okay. You going to fly me out there, too? I'll Airfare, hotel, whole deal? I'll fly you to Lincoln. What do I care? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll fly you to Lincoln. So, um, all right. I got my four games. You ready? We, we, will, we will discuss them in the order in which they will tip off, provided they tip off as scheduled. Friday, 11 p.m. Eastern. It's SMU at number 13, Oregon, inside Dylan Brooks Arena. The line is Oregon minus six and a half. You can watch it on the Pac-12 network. It means nobody's going to see this game. It's invisible. They're playing an invisible game at Dylan Brooks Arena. Let the record reflect that we're about to discuss and pick a bevy Friday tips. Oh, no, I thought about that because I've had a longstanding rule. I don't pick Friday games, but both of these games that I'm going to pick on Friday, they, they end on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> They're going to end on Saturday. And one of them is like, is like one of the three or four best non-conference games of the season. So we kind of need to talk about it and pick it. And the other um, one is on a TV channel that nobody has. I think that Arizona State loss to Riverside was on the Pac-12 network, and um, everyone saw it happen on their social media feeds. <laughs> like, no one actually – there might have been seven people that watched it in real time. So, to your point, yes, very My much My so. direct TV bill is, is, is bordering on $400 a month. I have every channel you can buy. The king of the Pac-12 network. It's never going to happen. It doesn't make yeah. sense. Um, SMU at Oregon. Sneaky fun. Kendrick Davis. I'd be the best player on the floor in this one for SMU. Um, I will go with the Ducks, but of the five we're going to talk about here, this is my least 
confident, but I will go with Oregon at home to win and to cover. Uh, this is a this is a fun one that will be uh, has been overlooked and a little overlooked because of the other huge game happening on Friday. But nevertheless, Oregon at home still got to see a little bit more with SMU. How about this, by the way, if you're watching the YouTube stream? Shouts to Nada. Nada Edwards, our producer, getting a little Ken Palm page action on your screen. For anyone that hears us reference this all the time and hasn't ponied up, first of all, that's ridiculous. If you're a college basketball fan, it's $20 a year for Ken Palm. He could charge 50 bucks and probably not affect his his, his uh, subscriberships. Uh, so um, he really should. I, I, I've told Ken this before. He should raise his price. Like, what would you pay for? What would you pay for that? I mean, well, we. I, I mean, I'm not trying to put people out that don't want to pay more, but honestly, I'd pay a hundred bucks a year for this easily. Like for what we use it for, it's way, it's way, it's worth way more than 20 bucks a year. Yeah. He's uh, he needs to raise his price. Ken, raise your price. (laughs) You got a bunch of people like GP. I'm in college. I love Ken Palm. What are you doing right now? You're killing me. Be like, be like if Ken invented the iPad and then sold them for 20 bucks. (laughs) What what are you doing? You can do better than that. I don't, I don't know. I guess you could you could form the argument if you want. I don't know if the advent of KenPalm.com is quite as culturally significant and world shifting as the iPad, but I get the point all the same. I think for you it is. Let's be real. For you it definitely is. I if use KenPalm more, Ken more than I use my iPad. That's that's what I'm getting at. If you had to, if you could only live with one or the other for the rest of your life, KenPalm or an iPad, we're both taking KenPalm. Not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Get that iPad not, out of my face. It's not even a debate. I throw my iPad out the window. Exactly. Thought I, I thought I, I, I had a about a twenty-one hour period where I thought I lost my iPad. I thought I left it on the plane because I got home and it wasn't there. And I was looking at buying more iPads. So frustrated with myself, I was like, "How did I just leave?" Even put in a a, a lost item thing with delta airlines by the way delta airlines if you're listening I, I found my ipad it was at my radio studio i just left it there um on on uh wednesday so delta forget about it you don't i you don't have to look for my ipad i found it but that was a that was a stressful time dead leg 20 i went 21 straight hours not knowing where my ipad was but you could pull up kenpom.com whenever i wanted whenever Anytime i wanted you wanted i will take the duck by the way i will take the ducks Minus six. This is SMU's Ken Palm page. If you are watching at the moment, uh, all these stats are like one game in, so give it a little bit of time. But that's uh, that's the schedule, and that's the ponies currently fifty five at Ken Palm as we head into this game tonight. Uh, you mentioned Kendrick Davis. He had eighteen points, eight rebounds, five assists in twenty nine minutes in SMU's season opening win over McNeese State. Just he's a great college basketball player. Like Penny Hardaway. Uh, was asked, I think, at AAC Media Day or somewhere around there, like who's the the toughest player to prepare for in the American? And you know, without hesitating, he said it was it was Kendrick Davis. Um, do you know who plays for SMU now? Baylor legend Tristan yeah. Clark. Yeah, I know. Cool little story there. Yeah, he had twelve points and six rebounds against McNeese. It was his uh, first game since February twenty ninth. 2020 you know knee injuries just derailed his career at Baylor um it led to uh, what I've read is some mental health issues um but he was awesome before he got hurt like in that 2018-19 season um he averaged 14.6 points 6.3 rebounds through 14 games at the time of the injury he was Baylor's leading scorer and leading rebounder and so if he can be a real contributor for SMU, and it looks like he, he can, um, perhaps that's the thing that, that can make the Mustangs um, an NCAA tournament team. With Oregon, they're 1-0. Um, you know, Will Richardson got 20.4 assists in that season opener. The transfers were good. Debian Harmon, 15 points. Quincy Gary, 12 points. Um, I've got Oregon as the second best team in the Pac-12 behind UCLA, obviously. You know, that's a program that's won back-to-back outright Pac-12 titles, but I think this is a little tricky for them. Like, I think they'll win the game, but if you're going to give me – the number I have was six and a half. The number you stated is six. What are we going with here? Oh, I, I, if I said six, I meant six and a half. So, six and a half, and I will take Oregon to win by at least seven. Yeah, I'm going to – yeah, I'm taking the points. I'm taking Oregon to win, but I'll take SMU plus the six and a half. 
Friday, 11.30 p.m. Eastern. It's number four, Villanova, at number two, UCLA, inside Reeves-Nelson Pavilion. Line is UCLA minus four and a half. You can watch it on ESPN2. This is uh, just an inc- <laughs> it's an incredible game. It's unfortunate that it's so late on the East Coast, but uh, it's Friday. This game's going to be on ESPN's network. They've got NBA stuff and getting a game. There's already one huge game on Saturday, uh, college basketball-wise, and you're dealing with college football, so this is kind of this is how it goes there. Um, it is wild. Not wild. It's understandable, but it's noticeable how secondary – even great college basketball games are yeah. Um, in this part of the year. I mean, the reason, I think we've talked about this before, the reason you get a lot of Friday games um, in November and then, you know, they just go, they basically go away is because if you can't get on TV on Saturday, I mean, without in college football season, you're not getting, you're, you're going to have a hard time getting on TV on a, on a Saturday. And the NBA stuff with ESPN on Friday is, is, is complicated. So, um, so this is what you get, uh, a late night, Friday night start on ESPN2 between two top five teams. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching this uh, later on uh, later on Friday here. Last time these two teams met was 2010. Nova won 82 to 70 uh, at the NIT season tip-off. Um, I'm pretty sure I was at that game. That would have been like the week before I started at CBS. I think I was, I was at that game. Not only I'm, I'm, I'm riffing off the top of my head. Not only was I at that game, I'm going to, I'm going to check myself right now. Let me see if I, I I, was Reese Nelson on that team. Reese Nelson was on that team. He was a freshman. Did he He fight you? Did he fight you at the game? He did not. not. You did you, how did you avoid the confrontation with Reese Nelson? Remember how, remember how wild that was? This dude would just run around punching people on his own team. Allegedly. Allegedly. I thought you were about to call him a legend. <laughs> well, he is a legend. Allegedly and a legend. I thought that's where you were going he, right there. He is a legend who allegedly like would just run up and punch his teammates. I think I remember that correctly. And there. then I think we discovered within the past couple of years, maybe, he changed his name. Yes. What was it again? can't remember no why would i remember reeve nelson's new name <laughs> this, this is why this is why the youtube comments are going to come in huge because there's going to be at least two people that shout out the actual name there while we can't remember it uh off the top of our heads um a reminder on ucla 10 rotation players back from the final four team uh this is a group that went 22 and 10 last season mccronin's groups got off to a nice start earlier this week and they uh they're going to get a, a handful here this is I resist being too overly confident with how I think this game is going to go. I love this matchup. I understand that nationally, like it's, you know, this game will get a little bit of run, but we're still in the middle of November, but this is, this is why I I love when college basketball can navigate into these kind of games. We talked about it a year ago when Gonzaga and Baylor scheduled late into the off season to make sure that, you know, potential one versus two matchup could happen. This is a top five matchup, obviously. And it's not, hampered like college football where you don't get to schedule for the upcoming season in the previous off season. You know, it's, it's very hard. It's very unusual for that to happen. Uh, I will go, I will go with UCLA to win, but the number is just big enough where I'm going to take Nova to cover four and a half on this one. UCLA made 13 threes, um, uh, on in its season opener, it was the most in a game for UCLA since 2019. I think this game's got fun potential to be high scoring because the teams are veteran laden. Um, but I think Villanova will give them a good game and credit to these coaches for this was this thing got finalized like first week of August or something like that. Can't wait to watch it. Give me Bruins to win, Nova to cover, and I'm gonna say somewhere in the I'm gonna say it'll be like. 79-77 UCLA, something like that. You know, you mentioned UCLA making threes. Villanova was 16 of 30 from three in its season opening win over Saint uh, over Mount St. Mary's. They won that game by 40. They took 56 shots in the game. 30 of them were from three. That's more or less how the 2018 championship team played. Um, the 2019 team even more so. Like every starter in the season opener for Villanova took at least one three, and three starters took at least seven. 
So they're going to launch. I love it. I, I love the style of play. And so I do think this will be a fun game uh, between two, not just Final Four contenders, but national championship contenders. Should be noted, UCLA is going to be out without Cody Riley, who um, sprained his knee in the season opener. It's going to keep him sidelined this weekend. He'll be reevaluated next week. He's a starter, averaged 10 points and 5.4 rebounds last season. So um, he matters. Uh, should be no surprise. Season opener um, it was a 95-58 win over CSU Bakersfield. Johnny Juzing had 19 points. Jules Bernard also had 19 points. Five-star freshman Peyton Watson came off the bench. He was only 2 of 11 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. So not the greatest debut, um, but uh, that's the thing about him being on this team, joining this roster, is that, you know, you can let him ease into it. You don't need him to be a – like Duke needed Paulo Bencaro to be a star right from the jump. UCLA doesn't need that from Peyton Watson. Just let him come along at whatever pace he comes along. And, um, you know, if he's there, great. If not, you still got the the bulk of a team back that, that went to the Final Four last season. I'm with you. Um, you know, make UCLA a four-and-a-half-point favorite, make Villanova a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm just going to take the points in this one. I, I think these are two – comparable teams either of which could you know cut nets down in new orleans so i'll just take the four and a half and and uh you know to pray for uh something that looks like a one possession game in the final minute game three saturday 10 30 p.m eastern it's number five texas at number one gonzaga inside the dan dickow athletic center Kim Palm's got it because we don't have lines on these yet because they're so far away but Kim Palm's got it gonzaga do you see this Guess what you think it is? Trivia time. This is not a trivia time. I'm gonna say the way you the way you set that up uh, makes me. I'll say Gonzaga minus seven. Eleven. What? That's a big number. What? I know. I don't think the that ain't gonna be the line. There's no, no way that's the, the line's not gonna be. It'll. I think it'll be. When you say that, like usually, man. Usually the line when it comes out is. Almost, I don't want to say almost always. It's often within two points. I can't see, I can't imagine this line is anything larger than, I I was going to say six. I bet it's going to get up around eight. Remember last year, yeah. like Gonzaga was laying all these big numbers and then beating everybody by 25. I know, I know, I know. We'll it see. Is Gonzaga minus 11, according to Kim Palm. You can watch it on ESPN2. Deadleg will be there. What do you think? Oh, boy. I wish I had had the capability to see these teams practice for picking this game, but that's not happening. I'll be over at Gonzaga practice later Friday, and then I'll be at Texas practice on Friday evening. Uh, intrigued to get a look at them behind the scenes before they, they play each other late Saturday night. Man, first, I mean, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm taking Texas to cover. That's just too many points. It's too, And Texas is going to see Gonzaga sometimes will struggle with physical teams. And... It's like I think Beard is gonna he's gonna have his guys really get up on him. And I'm I'm intrigued to see like Chet Holmgren, who had a wonderful debut. Uh GP can give you his stat line when he when he talks about the Zags here in a second. Chet Holmgren, one of his defining uh traits as a player when you watch him, if you've seen him play, and uh, he's basically gonna get introduced to the nation on on Saturday to the, at least the college basketball loving nation if if his proper introduction might come later when they play UCLA uh, and Duke later on this month. But he is a cocky, tough, doesn't take anything from anyone kind of guy on the floor. And I wonder if that mentality coming from, you know, a prominent player, albeit a freshman, will impact the way Gonzaga approaches this game. Because I think Texas is going to get up on him. Like, I think they're going to be aggressive and try and basically throw Gonzaga off its rhythm uh, because Texas has the, has the players to do that. Uh, 11 is just too big. I, I, I can't wait to watch this game, though, because you've got – I want to see how a, a Texas team with some quality bigs goes up against a Gonzaga crew that has, you know, just a, a different kind of attack. Let alone – forget that Holmgren will look and play unlike anyone else in the sport this season. You have a team with two – bigs who also could well be two of the five best players in the sport this season. We'll see. It's certainly on the table. And in that first game, Holmgren was better than Timmy. Timmy was just, he was fine. He was pedestrian in the, 
in the season opening cruise control win over Dixie state, which Mark few did not coach in. He will be coaching in the game against Texas. His suspension for the labor day DUI is officially over, but I will go, uh, I will go Gonzaga to win and Texas to cover. This is the fourth meeting all time between these schools. Gonzaga has not lost. They are three and zero. the last time they met was I was there. It was the PK 80 in Portland in 2017. Gonzaga won 76 to, to 71. Uh, this is per Texas's game notes. Texas will be looking for its first win in program history against an eight P number one opponent, never beaten a number one ranked team in the history of Texas's men's basketball program. Uh, although they did win over UCLA in 2007, 2008, but UCLA was not number one in the AP. It was number one in the coaches poll. Um, Texas coming off a convincing, really nice win against Houston Baptist. Gonzaga is obviously a major upgrade in opponents. Uh, I can't wait for it. This is my first time here to Spokane. Uh, nice little area. Uh, looking forward to uh, to trying a few of the few of the restaurants. It's very rainy, by the way, but out my window right now, Spokane Arena, which is not where the game is at. One last thing before I throw it over to you. By the way, I'm seeing how close Spokane Arena is to Gonzaga's campus. And that's basically a home game that you can, you can walk to that. This, I, it's, it's just funny to me how occasionally Gonzaga will have to play an opponent. And I think they play Bama in that arena this year, I think. And it's not considered like an outright home game as far as the net or NCAA tournament consideration, the committee, this is, that is the home arena. UConn's got to travel nine times further when it plays a home game in Hartford than this. So I just, I couldn't help but notice as I uh, got into my hotel last night, I was like, that, the other place that Gonzaga plays in, it's literally right there. And I don't know why they'd ever play there when the other venue is probably better and smaller. But anyway, that's my quasi rant. Who do you got? The kennel's great. You're going to love the kennel. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. Um, this is this has been at the top of my list. Of all the places I've never been to, this is at the top of the list. This will be off the list. And then, frankly, Texas is the, is the next one. When they open at Texas, Illinois, I want to get to. But Gonzaga was clearly, of all, I've, of all the ones I've never been to, I'm excited. I've been there um, only once. Uh, it was several years ago. It was a Saturday night game, Gonzaga, Illinois. And on my Friday night, like tonight is your Friday night, you're not going to be able to outdo my Friday night. I hit the town with Adam Morrison and Dan Dickow. You don't think me and Adam Morrison and Dan Dickow got after it in Spokane on a Friday night? I bet you did. Woo. That's that a, that <laughs> an all-timer. You did not have to podcast. Uh... Didn't have to podcast that weekend, so. Thank God. Uh, Chet Holmgren, 14 points, 13 rebounds, 7 blocks, 6 assists in his debut. First uh, player ever at the division, I mean, not ever, in the past 25 years to get at least 10 points, 10 rebounds, 5 blocks, 5 assists in his Division One debut. So it was a historically uh, impressive debut for the five-star freshman who, we talked about this in the preseason, like, the preseason national player of the year probably not going to might not end up being the best player on this team. All right, let's let's we're sitting there at the garden. I mean, I don't want to overact to one game like I Drew mean, get a twenty five. I'm, I'm about to say this. We're sitting there at the garden. You bring up the box score and you half jokingly go, "He's the best player." <laughs> referring to Chet Holmgren's stat line, I'm like, "Can we can we can we wait more than one game?" Now I'm that not, might I'm wind up gonna, being true, but I'm not right away Chet Holmgren game. was. I mean, took one game. Special player. The other two heralded freshmen came off the bench. Uh, Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas. So that was, a, I guess, a little surprising, if only because most people projected them as as starters uh, for Gonzaga. They might end up there, but um, Rasir Bolton uh, was in the starting lineup. Iowa State transfer. He had 15 points in that uh, opener. Drew Timmy, 11 points, four rebounds. Um, yeah, this, I, I, you know, I, I, I guess it's debatable. But if you told me I could only watch one of them, UCLA, Villanova, or Gonzaga, Texas, I think Gonzaga, Texas is is more interesting, if only because, um, you know, Chet Holmgren's playing. And this is a guy who is – it'll be the first time we've watched him play against high-level college competition, and it'll be fascinating to see if 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 all these things that he can do, um, you know, actually translate seamlessly. And at this point, I guess I'd bet on him probably translating seamlessly. Game four, Sunday. 1 p.m. Eastern, number 20, Florida State at Florida inside Kenny Boynton Arena, previously known as the O-Dome. Kim Palm has it Florida minus two. You can watch it on ESPN. 
Florida State's 22nd at Ken Palm. Florida is 28 at Ken Palm. Um, this, uh, this game is the rematch from a season ago when Keontae Johnson mm. collapsed. That was a, a, an early tip on a Saturday in December. Four minutes into the game, Keontae Johnson. I mean, it was the scariest moment uh, that we had seen on a basketball floor uh, in a very long time there. Keontae Johnson is still with the program, by the way, not playing. Um, he is currently trying to decide whether or not he is going to cash in on an insurance policy or eventually pursue a professional career in basketball. If he does that, he has to give up the insurance money. So um, he'll be on the si- he'll be on the the sideline here in what you know is like this is a this is actually a, a quality game it just gets you know it just gets buried on an NFL Sunday get I you know understand why that would be the case but this is a good game and a good test for a couple of teams that aren't projected to be the best team in their respective leagues but are anticipated to be NCAA tournament teams both squads lost important players from a season ago I'd say Florida State has a little more uncertainty, even though I think FSU is a little bit better than the Gators. Uh, this could be Raekwon Evans' year. I mentioned in the preseason, if not on the podcast, certainly on the site. I think Raekwon Evans might be one of the best year-over-year improved players in the ACC. Uh, him combining with Caleb Mills, a Houston transfer, I think will be um, a very fun watch this season for FSU. And as for Florida... He got off to a one to no start with a 13 point win at home over Elon on Tuesday. Colin Castleton, you may recall, he's the name to know. He's their best player, 6'11 forward. Um, he was 7'11 uh, the other night uh, and, and was really good defensively. They've also bring in Myrian Jones from Penn State, who's a, who's a key transfer. And Flandris Fleming, one of the best names in all of college basketball, formerly of Charleston Southern. Uh, keep an eye on Flandris Fleming Jr. in this one. I think that he. Uh, could be in for a big game and I think he will wind up being a top two at worst top three player on this roster I think he will be a very uh impressive up transfer at the power conference level this season as for the game I'm gonna take the Gators at home uh in a close one Florida minus two it's almost smells like a push but I'll I'll I'm not gonna never push give me the Gators to cover uh, win by three and what, uh, what, who knows? Like, I think this game actually has potential to be the best game of the weekend in terms of how close it is throughout, you know, Chris Beard's debut at Texas. What are we going to see from Texas there? Nova goes across the country. We're kind of waiting to see if UCLA is going to pick up where it left off. Um, SMU, that's a tough one at Oregon. We'll get to my, and one in a minute. I just think this game has the best potential to be the closest from tip to final horn. Give me the Gators to barely cover. Um, Caleb Mills, the Houston transfer. He got 14 points, five rebounds, three assists in 21 minutes in Florida State's, uh, you know, 105-70, 105-70 season opening win over Penn. Uh, Jalen Warley, Matthew Cleveland, the heralded freshman, both came off the bench, proving that Leonard Hamilton is committed once again to, to, to bringing incredible talents off of his uh, bench. Um, Myron Jones, you mentioned him. He's the Penn State transfer. He had 18 points uh, for Florida in their season opening win over Eline. So, um, yeah, you got some really good players here. This is a, this is a good game point spread, you know, uh, I think underlines that, uh, it's a toss up situation. I think I'll take Florida state plus the points. In fact, you ready? I think uh, I'll take, I think I'll take Florida state straight up, straight up. That was a, first of all, I've seen him do, I don't know, eight, the, what's funny to me is Nada is watching this for the first time. I've seen 80 straight ups in my life, but everyone else is seeing straight up for the first time. That was good. He's got, don't worry. He's got better, stronger, more ridiculous straight ups in the holster by the time we get to mid January. That's a straight up pick there. I don't do the straight ups because frankly, I look and sound ridiculous when I try. When I, try. I need a, I need a different bit for when I pick a team straight up, but I like that. We disagree. By the way, normally I track this in real time. I haven't been tracking our picks whatsoever. So I don't know if Nada has it, but we'll get this all settled on the record so that we have it or i'll go back and listen we'll get it sorted out norlander before we get to your game let me tell the folks about butcher box you know what's great high quality meat you know what isn't anything less than high quality meat just doesn't taste the same that's because when it comes to meat quality does matter and when you invest in high quality meat from butcher box the benefits go way beyond a great tasting meal there is nothing i enjoy better than a tremendous steak straight from the grill but here's the truth my local meat market 
Um, it's not conveniently located. It's not near my home or office. I spent years driving out of my way, but not anymore. And that's uh, my favorite thing about ButcherBox, how convenient it is to use. Every month, ButcherBox is going to ship a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. Each box contains between 8 to 14 pounds of meat, depending on your box type, and that's enough for 24 individual meals everything is packed fresh and shipped frozen for your convenience it allows you to save time on your next trip to the grocery store and it's free shipping in the continental united states right now you can go to butcher box they're offering new members a 10 to 16 pound turkey free in their first box just go to butcherbox.com slash i on college to sign up that's butcherbox.com slash i on college that's e-y-e O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E. You can receive a free turkey in your first box from ButcherBox. The search for high-quality meat ends here. Deadleg, what's the in one game? You said 10 to 16 pounds worth of turkey? That's a legit turkey, my friend. A big turkey. They don't play around. They're not playing around. This is, a, this is, this is the Zion, Zion Williamson of turkeys we're talking about. Okay. I, I feel like the Zion Williamson of... What are we even discussing? I feel like the Zion Williamson of turkeys is more like north of 23 pounds. So what the hell do I know? I'm a pescatarian. Uh, all right. You think Pac-12 Network's a problem? Fifth game. Why don't they put the Pac-12 Network on True TV? <laughs> Has nobody ever thought about that? I mean. Just move the Pac-12 Network to True TV. Friday night. Am I the only no. one with a brain? Nine o'clock Eastern. BYU TV. How's that suit you? I think I have it. You do? I'm certain I have it. Oh, man. I, I have BYU. I can watch this. No problem. This ain't, well, this ain't going to be mean, a I don't, I, don't, I don't have any idea where it is, but I got it. I'm certain I have it. I don't know if you, I don't know if you got it in that Manhattan hotel room. I don't, I don't have it here in Spokane. But normally, if you were at home, sure, you'd have it. Yeah. Watching this tonight for us. Might be. Although I'm in West Coast Conference territory, for all I know, BYU TV is like it comes on before I get to the you know CBS and big channels here. Uh, CBS, by the way, is the uh, is is the network of stars. Um, America's most watched network. We got a Mountain West throwback rematch here. San Diego State of the Mountain West going to play its former MWC foe BYU. It's nine o'clock tip on BYU TV. Ken Palm line. I have the Ken Palm line. I don't have the actual lineup in front of me here. Didn't know if it was going to be out this, at this hour. So we're just going with Ken Palm line. BYU minus two at home. They are 39th at Ken Palm. San Diego State is 33rd. Who you got? Well, as much as I love San Diego State. We know that. I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Cougars. You can't go into the Marriott Center on the opening weekend of the season and win a game. What are we talking about? <laughs> Jimmer Fredette Center, by the way. Forgot to mention you, that. You can't go in, you cannot go into the Fredette Center on a Friday night in November and win. What do you even try? Who even scheduled this? <laughs> I, I think both teams scheduled it. If, if, if you're looking for a, a factually accurate response, I think both teams did. Well, I, well only one team should have. <laughs> okay. That team being BYU. Of course. Okay, so you're going to take BYU to win and cover. You yeah, wanna, they, have, they have Alex. One team has Alex Barcelo and the other team does not. It's true. It's true. Um, what if you play for both teams, though? You get confusing. Don't even. Um, just, don't even. It just get confused. That's like, that's like putting Pac-12 Network on True TV. It gets a little confusing. That should happen. Okay. That should happen. Um. UC Riverside getting a lot of love on this episode because San Diego State opened its season on Tuesday with a 13-point win over UC Riverside. BYU coming off an opening win against a tournament team from last season. They beat Cleveland State by 10. You mentioned Barcelo. He was 13 of 13 from the line in that game. Uh, four of four from two-point range and one of two from three. Just, again, a do-it-all player. He was too lowly ranked on our top 100. I tried to tell you guys, but... What do you want from me? BYU leads the all-time series 49 to 24 against San Diego State. But that's, of course, San Diego State was basically terrible until Steve Fitcher got there at the end of the 20th century. And since then, the program has uh, been much, much better. I will take this is a good game. This is 
We got a couple sneaky good ones here. We got two main headliners, but we got some sneaky good ones here on the opening week of the weekend of the season. You will take the Cougars, and so will I at home in this environment. I don't know what the fan situation was last season at the Fredette Center by the time we got to February. I just can't recall if, you know, one of those deals where they had some people limited capacity and masks, or if they had nobody. But I, I know this. I haven't I haven't been there. You want to talk about places I haven't been to. This would be top five. Get to get out to Provo and 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 see this kind of game. That's that's for sure. I've never been out. I've been there. The I've, been, I've, I've walked inside that place. You have walked inside the Marriott Center or the Fredette Center, as we refer. Yeah, you to can't that. call it the Fredette Center. You have to name it. We established this years ago. That is renamed for that for that guy they kicked out of school because he had premarital sex. Oh, remember him? Yeah, but I thought the uh, um, come on, man, Davis, right? Uh. Why are you doing this to me? Trivia time. I mean, he played with Jimmer. So what year was that? Was it that long ago? Brandon Davies? Brandon, da- Brandon Davies. Brandon Davies. I thought he got the floor. No, yeah. he gets the whole center. Well, someone gets the court. Jimmer for that court. You get, the- you name the arena. No, that might not be him. I don't know if that's him. Brandon oh. Davies, it is him. You're sure it's him? You sure that is the man who had premarital sex? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty then, then that, then do, that I, is, do I have first do I have evidence? No. Do I want evidence? No. Would it be appropriate to have evidence? No. But it was Brandon Davies. I'm 99% sure. Yes. You if know how you know if how. only 1% chance it's not. <laughs> my apologies, but also my my genuine pity and empathy for Brandon Davies for not having premarital sex, but it's, I it's do tough. believe that it was him. It's a tough situation. It's a tough situation to find yourself in. I think it was how, Brandon Davies. How are we swerving it? To the to the uh to the small faction of listeners who have children and tend to want to listen to this podcast, our de- our deepest apologies for I apologize. I apologize. I mean, you know, we can't listen. There's just gonna be a few episodes this season. Nada, by the way, confirms to us it is Brandon Davies. Congratulations, Brandon Davies. We will occasionally Swerving to some premarital sex talk on the podcast. What about, do you want from us? At this point, at this point, I'm not proud of this, but we talk about premarital sex more than we talk about leaky plaque. That's true. There's no getting around it. Nada, I am begging you to just take that two seconds that just happened, just that, and and create that as a clip for social media. Just please cut that, cut that and tweet it and tweet it and tease the <laughs> podcast because it's it's factually accurate. And encapsulates just what the heck we're doing here. He says, "Done. Love to see it." I will take. I will. I got to pick this damn game. I will take like you, BYU to win, to cover the two. If it's four, I'm taking them to cover the four. And so those are our picks. Yeah, every episode going forward, I will recap who we have. I didn't do it in real time. I'm throwing off. I'm in the hotel room. I got Nada doing stuff on the back end. But if you listened, you heard everything. And again, these are for fun, for discussion. Uh, we have no idea what we're doing when trying to pick these games. We're just trying to take our best stab at it, and there we go. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Wendell Greenleaf, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast, middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just type you know, eye on college basketball in the search engine. It should pop right up. Um, hit the bell button so you get alerts when a new video drops. You wouldn't want to not get alerts when a new video drops. And then what are you going to do to that like button? Dead leg. What would Brandon Davies do to that like button? He would, smash it. he would smash it. He would smash it. You know he would. He sacrificed a season to smash that like button. You know he would. Be like Brandon Davies. And also, and, and by the way, you mentioned the bell thing. Apparently, if you if you click the bell, that's huge because you get the alert when the show goes up live. So subscribing is the most important thing. And then dinging that bell is extremely important as well. So if you haven't done that yet already, do it. But yes, be like Brandon Davies. Smash that subscribe button. You got consent? That's That, that like button has, has consented. Now go smash. We'll talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care.
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.